Welcome back to the Pats Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Hensler, and together we're going to explore different facets of athletic training, our colleagues, and their stories. So stick around. Let's be better athletic trainers. Welcome back to the Pats Convention. I've got uh, John and Dave here. We're going to just kind of shoot the breeze. Uh, they're going to talk about a little bit about uh, the concussion program and um, go on from there. So um, I know you've been around the block a couple. Let's, uh, tell me, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I've been in the profession now for 43 years and uh, as a certified athletic trainer. And I was pretty much a late bloomer, to, to be quite honest with you. I was working in a secondary school setting for for all for a, a number of years, probably I'm going to say like 30, 32 years. And then I was approached about possibly there was a uh, an individual who wasn't able to complete their responsibility to, to become the president-elect for Pats. And I was approached by Greg Janik from, from Kings, uh, who was a, a past Pats president, about possibly putting my, my uh, name in for that, and mm-hmm. I did. And uh, um, I was elected as the president-elect uh, for Pats, and that just really triggered years of service and got me involved in so many things that Pats um, has been involved in, including the Department of Health Grant for Concussion Education. And and uh, it's just been serving our profession and, and serving you know others is, is really what it's all about. Awesome. I mean, you, you had a lot of... Things going on prior to being Pat's president, though you had secondary school committee. Yeah, things with Pat's. Yeah, weight assessor. Yeah, there was there was some in, uh, secondary school things specific to secondary school things. Weight assessor for the PIAA. I'm okay. I'm, I'm on the as far as the wrestling uh, certification each year. Uh, Larry Cooper, another secondary school athletic trainer, and, and myself are the two master assessors in Pennsylvania to teach athletic trainers how to assess. Um, wait for their wrestlers and we do that on a year, yearly basis we still do that we've been doing that for quite a while since that program has been in in, uh, in effect I believe that started in like 1994 somewhere around here it's been a oh, long that time long. okay yeah so I, I remember when I was an undergrad yeah and it was it was um, kind of presented to us as something new so yeah. I don't know if it just blew up then or yeah. if it got more like the weight assessor I don't want to say certification but like that actual formal class to, yeah. to really hammer it in that, that was uh, um, a big step by the PIAA because that, uh, and I'm a member of the PIAA Sports Medicine Advisory Committee through Pats. I'm a Pats liaison to that. Um, that was a big step because for the first time, uh, hydration was thrown into the formula, yep. and that made things a whole lot uh, tougher on the athlete, so to speak, but a whole lot more beneficial to the athlete, knowing that they were at least hydrated going into the yep. into the season. So, and then I, it, I found it beneficial because you know you have that um, you have that flyweight that's been wrestling down there freshman junior or freshman sophomore junior junior year and struggling to keep that weight you know it gave us it gave me at least a little bit of um the ability to to talk them out like hey let's why don't you go up a class and actually you know enjoy your senior year and not not struggle through the winter and i i for for me i liked it yeah, and, and as with anything else, you know, at first the pushback was we were going to kill the sport. A lot of, a lot of pushback. A lot yeah. of pushback. And then now, uh, you know, the executive director of the PIAA, Bob Lombardi, will tell you that the wrestlers at the state championship matches uh, look very healthy and very, yep. very aggressive and, and the way you want your wrestlers to look. It would, yeah. it would be cool to see some metrics if anybody tracked them on, you know, the, the quality of athlete 
from 10 years ago, 12 years ago versus sure. now after, after we've had coaches now that wrestled in high school, went to college and are back coaching um, at that age group. And it's just to see the, the competition level. Yeah, uh, they, they, they seem to have more energy, be more lively, and, and that's, that's what you want. I mean, the whole concept of having a kid wrestle all year long at a weight class only to drop down a weight class for, for yeah. sectionals and never states made sense to me. never yeah, made never sense. Made, never made sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then as Dave said, uh, I was a member of the uh, NATA Secondary School Athletic Trainers Committee for four years. Um, and that was that was awesome because now you're looking at a national picture and seeing what what people are doing from all the districts of the NATA and that was that was really cool. Um, and now I'm the president elect of the Eastern Athletic Trainers Association, so that's a totally okay. different ball game. Where now I'm looking at an educational symposium every year, and and so you you get all aspects when you volunteer for things, you get to see all aspects of the profession, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. and the, I mean the the coolest part, at least you know from a perspective here is. It's just the people you meet, right? It's the, and, and then you meet them and the relationships you build because of that. You know, I, like we have no business being friends. <laughs> right? I mean, we do have some things in common, but we would never have been as close friends as we are had we not been involved in this crazy profession of athletic training that we have. You Absolutely. Know I mean? like, uh, you know, our, our years are slightly off to be classified as like, hey, they, they, we didn't grow up together, you know, that kind of a thing. But uh you know, just by because I happen to be on the executive board of Pats as the treasurer, when you rolled into that uh, president-elect spot. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, uh, the reason I say that is because my first executive board meeting, I just by happenstance sat at the board table next to Dave, and uh, Yvette Ingram was the president at the time and um, running the board meeting, and I was sitting here with the agenda, and I'm looking at this, and, and I kept on looking at Dave, and I'm going, oh, my goodness gracious, this is like... I, I have no idea what's going on here. He kept going, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And, uh, it, and, you were. It, it, and it got to the point where it was a little overwhelming. And then he, he was the one next to me that, that uh, kept on saying, you can do this. You'll be fine. And he was right. And uh, we be, we've been really, really good friends ever since then. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah That's okay. awesome. Up and down to Harrisburg quite mm. a bit with the Department yeah. of Health and doing their, their good work that they're uh, teamed up with us to do with the – I was just going to say, let's that Harrisburg perfect uh, perfect transition. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the program. Yeah. Um, so talk about the grant. Uh, yeah. What we're using the money for. Uh, what our hopes and goals are for the program yeah. in its whole. So I mean, there's there was a couple of things that started this off way back. It was eight or nine years ago. I can't exactly remember. 2013, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and what. What really happened was we kind of had a relationship in the past before our group got involved again with the Department of Health. Uh, Pats has had a pretty strong relationship with them previously with some grants that had occurred before there, mini grants okay. about con about not specifically concussion, but just about some other things. I can't actually remember some of the specifics before my time. Um, but then, you know, the Department of Health was looking for uh, concussion was a very hot topic at that time. Um, and uh, they were looking for uh, ways to reach out to the public to do some education like the Department okay. of Health does. Uh, so one of the goals was we just need to recognize, you know, how do we teach the public to recognize what a concussion is? And more importantly, when a concussion happens, what should these people be doing, right? Who should they be letting know that, hey, I think I have a concussion? Because part of the battle back then was just uh, trying to overcome that old stigma of, ah, oh, you just, you know, got the co some cobwebs. Yeah, the bell rung. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. oh, he just rung his bell. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. 
Yeah, the shake it off kind yep. of a thing. How many fingers do I have up all that ridiculous stuff? <laughs> and it was it was hand in hand with the uh, Safety and Youth Sports Act, which is Pennsylvania's right. concussion law. And that occurred in 2011. And we had we had some really good relationships with some of the legislators that that were uh, sponsoring that that uh, law. And uh, uh, and then when the opportunity came to apply for this uh, grant, uh, once again, Greg Janik uh, uh, actually wrote the actual Pat's application for the grant, yeah. pretty much sent it in thinking, hey, we, we made a nice effort here. And I'll never forget the phone call. He called me up. I was actually out exercising and he called me up and he goes, John, you're not going to believe this. We got, not only did we get the grant, we got it for four years at $100,000 a year. Nice. And it was like, oh my gosh. And this from there, yeah, <laughs> this is real. And it was, it, the things that we have accomplished over the last not, uh, eight or nine years, it's just, it's mind boggling. It, yeah. it's, it's been, uh, it's been a, a labor of love, so to speak. And we have educated a ton of folks involved in youth sports uh, from, you know, in the high school level all yeah. the way down to the youth, which is where we're really trying. We tried to focus the last couple of years because, as we all know, those little leaguers, they don't get the care that, you know, the people at secondary schools get yeah. with athletic trainers and stuff. But, yeah, it, it, it's we've done some amazing things that not 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 trying to pat ourselves on the back, but just we amazed ourselves. It was like, wow, you know, we really pulled some of this stuff off. It was really sure. cool. Yeah. yeah. So the Department of Health provided funding, and as part of that funding, you know, John had mentioned $100,000. So the program really, you know, was was vetted and created by athletic trainers um, mm -hmm. in con in conjunction with physicians and some other healthcare professionals. And that program, you know, was put together by a company called SSI and, and uh, their names on the concussion wise uh, slogan. So it created this program. And then once it was vetted by athletic trainers through PATS and through our work group, which was physicians and concussion experts, mm -hmm. um, the program launched. And basically what it was was athletic trainers taking that information to the public. Um, so not only was it, here's great information about concussion and what should you do and how to recognize it, but it was athletic trainers that were the ones that were the, the, the conduit to that education to the public. So right. not only was it just a great program because of the content, but the delivery of the content and it being athletic trainers was really a high point for us as well. And every time we got to go ahead and put that content out there, it was an athletic trainer that was doing it. Right. You know? So people were saying, hey, come and run a concussion-wise program um, over here with our group. And we were sending an AT also. Yep. You know? And every time we promoted the program, you know, uh, through uh, – radio uh, advertisements or we'd run out billboards on highways in uh, different regions of the state. We'd start one year, we would be in the southeast and then we'd be in the northwest and we kind of scattered the, the map of Pennsylvania trying to get the word out about uh, here's this program. You know, it was also, you know, the Pennsylvania Athletic Trainers Society yep. right there, athletic trainers, right? So the I think that the the ability that the Department of Health gave us was just to really put athletic trainers out there in the forefront of these are the people that are dealing with these things on a daily basis. And here's the value and worth that athletic trainers have, Yes, you know, and, and to push us out into that kind of stage a little bit is not really where athletic trainers usually go. Right. You know, so it is kind of a hesitation sometimes because the more you're out in the front, the more some of that spotlight shines on you sometimes, which, you know, is kind of a hindrance sometimes for people, but also, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen come from the grant is that we've been able to house athletic trainers in the spotlight, have them be the conduit to the public, the public understand what we do, um, because we can never do enough of that, because somehow in 2022, there's still people that don't know what athletic yes. trainers are. Yes. Our job is never done there, um, but it's just been 
just been unbelievable. And and one of the other great pieces of it is the the relationship we built with some of the people at the Department of Health. You know, they've come to us with other ideas now about saying, could you guys do this kind of a program, or what are your ideas on this type of a thing? So now, is that how the um, the TV sh- the the TV programming came about? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the details of all the ins and outs of how that came out, um, I'm not too sure of, but and you know, it de- definitely was generated from. Uh, wanting to promote athletic trainers and the Department of Health and their, you know, the cool part about the Department of Health, not to steer away from your question, but like it steer really away. is, it steer really away. is let's, let's a go, group of people. You know, there's this group of people, right, in this government-run conglomerate right down there in Harrisburg that really do care about the public. Like they really do want to get public health information to the public. And they're, you know, just by taking on us, uh, you know, Pats and, and joining with us as a team, I mean, really shows like they want to get information to the public. And if athletic trainers are the best mechanism to do that for concussion or a myriad of other issues, you know, that we've kind of talked about behind the scenes about what could other grants work for or work like, uh, it's just been outstanding working with that, that group, you know, and, and they, you know, because they, they really just care about is the public getting the, the health information that we need them to get? That's refreshing to hear. And, we, really and, and when you look at it, uh, Pat's and Sports Safety International program that we have was one of three that was approved by the Pennsylvania Department of Health as accepted programs for part of the Safety and Youth Sports Act was that every coach, volunteer coach, uh, mm-hmm. any anybody involved with youth sports had to get some sort of concussion training in order to be able to work in a secondary school, middle school area. and. To have athletic trainers be one of the approved programs, along with the uh, CDC and the National Federation of High School Sports, it's amazing uh, yep. to have those three, and those are the only three programs accepted by the Pennsylvania Department of Health for us to go out and do this education. And to answer your your, your previous question, um, part of the grant Which funding- Which I didn't do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> part, of the, part of the grant funding was to promote it through outlets and so we contacted pennsylvania cable network Mm -hmm. pcn and we made a real nice relationship with a gal there and and uh um she talked to us about a sunday program that we would be able to produce a half an hour segment for and uh um, basically it what it what happened was uh the president at the time of pats was able to direct that program and so we ended up making three of those programs half hour segments and uh it was just a great experience, you know, sitting there, getting things filmed, working with producers. And it just it took us out of, like Dave said, out of our comfort zone. And the other thing I think that is really funny for us is athletic trainers, I'm sure, you know, are frugal. You know, you, you look for ways to save money or try not to spend too much money. And we were in a situation where they were like, you have this money. We want you to go out and spend it to educate the public. So it was like, oh, wow, you know, it's like got a new car here. Let's go drive it. And it was really cool. So you don't have yeah. to use your iPhone to uh, to film. You can actually get somebody in. <laughs> yeah, it was really exactly. cool. A production company, yeah. And you can see the progression. Like the one I did initially was horribly. I don't think I've ever know, seen that one. Elementary compared mm-hmm. to the next one we did. And that one was, the next one after that was even better. Uh, so the progression was really cool. And yeah. I mean, we don't know yet, but there might be more of those. To yeah, come, right? absolutely. That would be exciting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That would absolutely be exciting. You know, it's just portraying and putting out in that public sphere what athletic trainers really can do, mm-hmm. you know, and what what is our knowledge base? How much do we actually know? Um, because it, I'll tell you, I've done some of the live trainings uh, for the concussion wide wise programs over the last year, and you know, it's a pretty awesome feeling when you're there in front of a group of students or faculty or coaches um, or other professionals, and you, 
get to say for the first five minutes, you know, hey, my name is Dave Marchetti and I'm an athletic trainer and here's what an athletic trainer is. And then and then go into the concussion program. Like right. I really am hitting on this probably too much, but like I can't understate how important this grant and, and relationship with the Department of Health has been with just allowing us as athletic trainers to talk about how important athletic trainers are and what that skill set is and what knowledge base we have. Mm-hmm. You know, as ju- even just entry-level ATs coming right out of school, what, they, what the, the bar is, what the standard is for them to be able to have an enormous impact on public health. Um, I mean, public health has obviously been a pretty important piece over the last couple of years, oh, yeah. and athletic trainers fit into that perfectly. You know? I thought it was really cool how um, across the state, across Pennsylvania, athletic trainers kind of stepped it up and filled in where there was need. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I will, I've said this often. Sometimes um, people look at you like you have two heads, but I honestly feel that COVID um, was huge for our profession uh, because we really got to demonstrate our value and worth on a level, especially in the secondary school level and the middle school area, all, all levels all the way up. But I think especially uh, in the secondary school level, because I still think, like David said earlier, there's a lot of folks, especially down at that level, that don't really understand the amount of health care you're getting from an athletic mm-hmm. trainer. Now, all of a sudden, you have an athletic trainer who has to adhere to new rules and regulations, work with the school's health uh, director, nurses, psychiatrists, the whole nine yards, and put together a protocol that you're going to follow for the safety of your athletes. Your athletic training room now is becoming more of a clinic than ever before, but it also has to be a safe space. And uh, it, it was amazing to see some of the things that the athletic trainers were doing at that level. And I know on the collegiate level as well, in order to show the public and their students that we are out for your safety and we're gonna do it, take every step possible, mask, uh, social distancing, so, so many tables per, per feet and all yep. that kind of stuff, uh, and then still allow the whole athletic program to run and be efficient and, and for those kids to be successful, it's, it's amazing. It, it was really cool. And you know, some people, after you hear it explained that way to them, go, you know what, you're right. You know. A lot of folks, when they first heard it, was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to do all this work now to do all these protocols. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) go for it. Yeah, because we're athletic trainers and we're healthcare providers. Let's go do it. You know, and I and I think uh, I think that was a good thing for us. Uh, I really do. Yeah. And now let's talk about removing physically active from the State Practice Act and um, adding possibly invasive. I heard uh, or uh, invasive is is in there. Okay, invasive currently in there says um, uh, may not perform invasive right. procedures. So they're gonna just want to remove that yep. piece because I mean it makes total sense that there you you can't if you look at the Medical Practice Act and PA from like 1985 I think is the last time they redid the whole thing they don't define what invasive actually means. Right. So there's a definition there's a word in there that no one can define because it's not defined. So it's like it's ambiguous. No one knows what that means. There's just no but need then, for that But then that there's word a there. there's a procedure that's associated with it that no one knows what it is. So what what don't we do? Right. So right. you take the most conservative approach. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there's arguments about what is invasive, what isn't. Is it um, breaking the skin? Is it if the skin's already broken? Then can we just repair the skin? Is that not invasive? 
Um, rectal thermometry has been talked about. Yep. I mean, that is the standard. Rectal thermometry for heat illness is the absolute standard of care. It's like, necessary. It is, it is, there's no way around it. the idea that you could treat someone with heat illness without that. Absolutely. I mean, the data is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say that that would be something that would be could somebody could argue is invasive just is mind-blowing to me. But the idea is we shouldn't have to argue that it's invasive because that word doesn't even really belong there anyway. Right. It's you're saving lives. You know, it's like a Narcan pen or a, or an EpiPen. Yeah. You know, is that invasive because you're actually sticking someone through the skin? Yeah. You know, it, and it, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. But those are life-saving measures, which athletic trainers are, are doing, yeah. hopefully not on a daily basis, but, sure. but every once in a while. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, just – it's just something that that really that that really out of all of it really is an important piece to it. If that could just be removed, so there is no question. Listen, athletic trainers practice under the direction of a physician. That yep. doesn't change. Nope. That's the key. It, it's always yeah. been that way. It's gonna still be that way. That's the important perspective. Um, what that physician allows each athletic trainer to do that they direct that could be that could be worked out between the physician and the clinic, that that the athletic correct, trainer. Correct. Yeah. You know what I mean. So if someone has had continuing education in certain procedure or whatever it might be, they should be able to perform that because they've learned it. It's a learned skill. It's in their educational requirements, just like any other healthcare profession. I mean, that's where we're at. Yep. If the physician is happy with your skill set, he can write that in your standing operating procedure, standing orders. And uh, why shouldn't you be able to do those procedures if the physician feels you are trained and and he's comfortable with your skill set? Yeah. I mean, and then the population component of that, the physically active, we're the only licensed healthcare providers that have and a that's, population. And that's not defined either. Because I remember in undergrad, it's just like, what's physically active? Yeah. Is a 90 year old physically active? Well, yeah. if they Some can are. sit them, themselves <laughs> and they, yeah, they, yeah, they absolutely can be. Yeah, sure. So the, um, I'm trying to think specific, I might screw up the language, but it's not in the Medical Practice Act, but it's in the rules and regulations, I think, that physically active might actually be defined, but the definition is, again, very ambiguous. vague, very gray. Yeah, yep, so, very gray. Yep. Yeah. Very great. Yeah. Lawyers love gray. <laughs> you hope, yes. Right, and that's also it. Like this, you know, the the best, the the way they they uh, titled the the act, the modernization, is really the word. Like that's the buzzword. Like it really, it truly is a modernization. I mean, it hasn't been a uh, you know really worked over since we added licensed, you know, just in 2012, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's you know they just changed certified to licensed, um, and then other than that, nothing's really been modified for decades yep. so i mean it's time other other healthcare professionals do it uh and, and that's how you have to stay so, so get a hold of your congressman um, absolutely yeah. i sure. think um nikki sent out an email uh last week yeah uh with uh with who to contact so check your spam check your um filters and uh yeah give harrisburg a uh, an email yeah it's absolutely. in the, the senate bill right now um and then hopefully it'll get into the committee and out of the committee and then out of the Senate, uh, maybe it might have to take a day to do like second and third considerations for that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but then hopefully it'll get in uh, to the House, uh, the General Assembly side, and I'll get it going. Awesome. Yeah, yeah be, it. being a licensed healthcare provider is, is, it gives you a lot of responsibility to hold up to those credentials. And I, you know, that was a huge step for us. And uh, I think therefore, let's take it one step further and allow our physicians to, uh, to embrace our license as by the State Board of Medicine and say, you know, these folks are trained in this, they should be able to do that. So, yeah. yeah. Whether it's, yeah, State Board of Med or it, some athletic trainers are still licensed under the osteopathic. Osteopathic, I think yeah. Which is where my original license yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but either way, like John said, I mean, it's really about being able to practice at the top of the credential that you own 
as a healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. You know, I would expect going to a physician assistant that they should be able to perform at the top of their credential with utilizing all of the continuing education that they've gained over the years. And I don't, we shouldn't be treated different, any differently than that as athletic trainers. I like it. I like it. So what do you guys do for fun? Man, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Um, mostly so I'm, fun. I'm guessing skydiving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm afraid of heights too. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, so fun for me is just uh, campfires and hikes and outdoors. Um, the, uh, we're going on a hiking trip, you know, coming up with my, my family, my wife and sister, and it's always a fun time. So outdoor stuff is great. Hikes, camping uh, for me right now. This is the season. So Yeah, I enjoy. I'm an outdoor exerciser. I love to go for three-mile walk. I like to get lost in the woods or uh, areas where I'm not going to be bothered and just, you know, take it all in and, um, my wife and I recently, uh, we have a puppy and a six month old puppy. So puppies in their own right. Awesome. I'll, love, yep, I'll get, put a whole new you. energy oh, yeah. level into you. So keep you going. yeah. And I enjoy cooking, especially uh, grill cooking and, but I do indoor cooking too. So there's, there's enough hobbies and other interests to, uh, uh, you know, maintain my interest, uh, other than athletic training. So, and hanging out with ATs Absolutely. when you're not at work. Yeah. Hey, it's a fun time. Sometimes, yeah. hey, it's not That's very many people keep that kind of schedule. And yeah. it's, it's, but, it's actually and it's really. It's like difficult. Dave said. Yeah. Dave said early on in this podcast. You know, it's all about relationships. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, the relationships that we have made over the years, it's uh, it's mind boggling. And some some of the most incredible people we've we've ever met. And, you know, they're our friends. You know, it's yeah. like wow, that's all. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Right. yeah. So speaking about over the years, how long have you been an athletic trainer? Forty three. Forty three years. Yeah. Retired from a secondary school two years ago. Okay, but I've maintained. And then get back, got back into it somehow. Uh, I just continue to serve, but okay. I, I, if I was called on a per diem or, or you know, to fill in somewhere, I could do that. I have not given up my, my certification. So, okay. and I don't intend to anytime soon. So, but, uh, but yeah, Pride it's been a cold day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dave, how about you? Uh, I would, I've been certified for uh, twenty years now. Okay. Yeah. So, that went kind of quick. Um, but yeah, uh, been practicing and a faculty member. Uh, the cool part about my role, like I, I'm at King's College up in Wilkesbury, PA, Northeast PA, um, and the, the role I get there is the best of everything. I get to be a clinician and I get to be in the classroom as a faculty member. And I think that one of the cool things in our profession still is that there's clinician faculty. Not everybody uses that model, um, but uh, it's a model in healthcare that people really want. Like people want doctors who practice when they're teaching in medical school and you want to have a physical therapist that's practicing and teaching you know and and I think that that model is you know it's like a rocky model it's tough to make happen it's tough to make work but if it works it's great you know if it works for your institution you know great student feedback from being able to be their preceptor and mm -hmm. then you're in the classroom with them um, not to say that if you're in an all-academic program or your professors are all academic responsibilities and not clinicians you would have great experiences that way too. I'm just specifically speaking for my situation, but it, I, it has its ups, ups and downs, oh yeah. just like everything else. Sure, but it, yeah. it, it does bring it does bring more to the table. Yeah, yeah. and I, like I mean, the the one thing for me, and it might be kind of selfish, is like I always want, I want to practice athletic training. This is why I became an athletic trainer. Um, so uh, you know, having that hands-on experience with live patients on a regular basis has been a, a huge thing that's really let me grow and bring so much more to my students in the classroom and in, as a preceptor uh, that it's, I mean, it's just the, the experiences I've had in that 
venue of being able to practice and then bring it to the classroom has just been great. You know, and our students have good feedback on those kinds of things. And, you know, it really hits home when you've got to walk the walk a little bit, yep. you know, and you've got to say, practice and evidence-based here, but you know what, right now, I don't know what the evidence is and it's not very strong, so we've got to use our clinical reasoning and yep. some decision-making and kind of wing it, right? Like, you know, that, that evidence-based practice model of the three things, the experience of the clinician and the patient and then the research, those circles aren't always the same size, right? Sometimes one's really small and two are really big, you know, and you got to try and manage that. So, And that's probably the thing I, I miss the most, being retired, um, is not being in the room actually performing healthcare and rehabilitation mm -hmm. on on my student athletes or our patients as we should say now and uh, I miss that because that's the hands-on that's like Dave said you use your evidence-based knowledge you actually get to make an impact before you see them go out in the field and perform which is cool too um, but I really miss the clinical aspect more so than being out on the field watching a sporting event and taking care of you know what happens during that action so uh, but yeah and I and I, uh, I we always try to tell our young people appreciate your skill set and and the influence that you can have on, on your patients. Yeah. I mean, just think about, I can just, you know, just in the last decade or even, you know, 19 years or however long it's been, like, just what I learned in school and how much different it is already on just so many different levels of how far we've come with treating heat illnesses yeah. and recognizing heat illnesses, even opposed to like just 19 years ago or whatever it was. And now, you know, concussion, of course, you know, is just that's, huge. That's changed significantly yeah. since I was certified uh, originally. Yeah. And, yes. and for, you know, there's so many healthcare professionals that I interact with on a daily basis because I practice clinically that I wouldn't if I was only academic, you know, teaching academically, and, uh, that you, you interact with some of these healthcare professionals and they're just, they're not up to speed on what concussion, you know, on, on caring for concussion yep. or treatment of recognition of concussion. Very many of them are, but not all of them. You know, you still run into the, some of the, the past thinking on and concussions. And it changes, it changes quickly. I remember there was one year um, I had a, I had an athlete come back from uh, a concussion clinic with this protocol I had never seen. It was back when it was back when vestibular started coming yeah, out. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I had never heard about it. Yeah. And we just had a presentation like a few months before, probably six months before on yeah. on concussion treatment. And then she comes back with the script for vestibular rehab and I'm like, What the heck is that? Yeah. I ended up having to call around and figure out what it was and you want something that that has been a game changer in yep. certain types of concussions. Yep. I mean, it's so embedded now. I mean, that's just part of our normal evaluation yep. when we have someone that you know has concussion symptoms, and we're you know taking them on the next day to 24, 48 hours, and we're looking at some of those components too, the the VMOS and those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, just and then I mean the the bigger you know another similar idea to that is you know how we're using exercise now to treat yeah. concussions when yep. immediately we were you know just a few years ago we were saying let's just totally shut, shut people it down, down and let it go do now, maybe more than a, that was more than a few years yeah. ago but by the time things filter around no stimulus um, no screens no yeah. cell phones it's like yeah. wow you know you know that 24 48 hours of cognitive rest now and now we're trying to get people moving and trying to get that cerebral blood flow back up to where it was um, so that we can really try and and uh, facilitate their their recovery yeah let that young just, brain you know, function yeah putting them in the dark room kind of an idea is, <laughs> is old school is that, i was just going to say that's like prehistoric now yeah, exactly. yes so speaking about the change of concussion where do you see athletic training going in the next 10 years or what would you like to see if you if you don't have a prediction i i would say for me uh, 
and like Dave was saying a little bit earlier, the medical advances that we have made or that we are now able to uh, uh, do as part of our general practice, um, like you take even the AED and stuff like that, which was a long, long time ago, but for me, it was a new thing at one time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, wow, we have these, we can save a person's life with this thing, you know, and all of a sudden they were in schools everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, then you had your EpiPens and then, but there's a lot more medical uh, skills that you need to have in order to be a healthcare provider as an athletic trainer. And I think that is going to continue to evolve. And that is what I really think is cool. And I, I have said often, I can't wait to see what I think this profession is going to look like five years from now, even though I'm not active in, in the trenches, so to speak, I'm still active as far as, you know, my knowledge and, and what I, what I want to see happen with our profession. It's exciting to see all the medical advances that we're going to be able to take advantage of moving forward. And I think that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to sit there maybe in the rocking chair, so to speak and say, <laughs> wow, I never would have thought of doing something like that back when I was, you know, and it's all, I've only been out two years, uh, but I never would have thought of doing that back then. Back now, in my day. Yeah, that back in, in my day. And, Pat's yeah, chair. exactly. Uh, and now it's like, look what they get to do, you know, and I've said that to my athletes often and, and some of, as a preceptor, you don't have to do this, you get to do this, you know, and, that, and that, that, that's what's that, cool. That, that whole phrase, you get to do that, that's, you get that's to a do really, that. really cool way of thinking. Very, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's about the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I mean, you you get to do this on a daily basis, and uh, um, and I think that's what's going to keep happening with the profession. You know, it's going to keep getting more medically involved, and that's what we need. That's a, that's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, also looking in that same vein, I, and I don't know if the, I, I don't know if I want this to happen. I, this is just what do I think might happen, kind of a thing. I, I don't know how we're going to get around this this issue of you know specialization. I think for athletic right. trainers, I mean. There is just so much now, you know, that, you know, other healthcare professions are obviously doing it. To be a doctor, you go and you, you pass the doctor test. You know, be a PA, you pass the PA test. You know, you got to pass that BOC to be, you know, a, a practicing AT. However, you know, I really think that that's coming down the line about maybe ATs branching into some specializations. You know, I don't know if it'll be as hard and fast as like what PAs do or where, something where like it's that. like nationally certified yeah. test exam, not yeah. just like oh, I took a bunch of classes. This is an interest to me, functional yeah. training, like exactly. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's maybe really more of a focus area of specialization yep. versus kind of you know right now it, you know the idea of you know we're kind of the jack of all trades. I hate that phrase. You know, okay. but but I think there's value in that, but I don't know if you can continue to do that in the changing environment that John was just talking about 10 years from now when, like, if you're going to treat people with concussion, you may really have to have a, a mile deep knowledge on being able to sort that out, right? We've always been able to kind of manage all of the things that we deal with as ATs, mm -hmm. um, in so, you know, ankles to brains to noses to whatever. Um, and, and I'm just wondering if it's not going to come down to more of some specialization stuff that we're going to have to do. See, I'm not necessarily against that because one of the skills... Yeah, I, I'm one not, of the skills I don't know it, if I'm against it or not, yeah. you know, but go ahead. But one of the skills of an athletic trainer is being able to recognize that something's wrong, sure. identify the general what's wrong with it, and then coordinate care for that. Yeah. Whether it's something we can handle in the athletic training room or something we're referring out. That I think that's one of the Which biggest, we do all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest skill sets of being an athletic trainer that I think gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah. Just that whole managing the the medical team, so yes. to speak. 
Yeah, no, and I, I think that that is, if you said what is one of the biggest strengths of an AT, I would probably say that yeah. is we are not, and I have never worked around an AT who is afraid to refer somebody when yeah. it was time for them to be referred. And I think that is a huge strength of our, yeah. our profession. And that also goes back to that idea of, you know, we do have a directed physician who we can refer people directly to, or maybe we need a specialist or whatever it is. And and I think that as a healthcare provider, we have an unbelievable relationship with physicians in that role. And I think that that's what really is a huge strength of our profession. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I'm not necessarily saying specialization was a good or bad thing. It's just kind of something that down the line I, I don't have yeah I don't have kind of muddy that right it's now. real yeah. muddy you know like I don't know how I feel about it it took us so long to become part a recognized part of the healthcare team yep and now that we're a part of the team I I don't want to just be part of it I want to be the quarterback or I want to be <laughs> the go-to ball carrier not just sure. to use football all the time but you now that you've made the team you want to play yeah yeah and I think that's what we're looking at with the all the healthcare professionals around us. We need them. They need us. And I think that's the the give back is hey, we're we're we've been around forever. Now you know what we can do. Put us in the game, coach. You know, let us do our thing. So, and you can awesome. tell when you work with somebody like John on committees. How he's what forty three years in, and you're retired for two years, and you're still as excited about the profession as. I was he was, I mean, yeah, you know, probably 43 years ago yeah. when Joe Izzy was your preceptor. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Awesome. So one of the uh, questions we always like to ask on the podcast, what does athletic training mean to you? What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? That could be a pretty deep one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, athletic training is healthcare. That's what it means to me. Uh, it doesn't sound like it at first when people say you know, athletic trainer. You know what, what the heck is that? That whole thing. But uh, I think it's just healthcare. It's providing good healthcare to all of our patients, and all of our patients are all individuals. You know, not just f- this physically active idea. Um, so I think it's it's uh, it's public health. It's it's uh, providing the best healthcare that you can. Um, to the highest level that you can, and I think we are on par with some of the things we provide as ATs just as much as any other healthcare profession has. And I think it's time that we, you know, like I said, we talked about her, it's kind of coming back around, you know, that stepping into the spotlight component of it. Like, it, it's our, it's the time. It's our time. You know, we've, we, we've put people through this concussion age, this age of concussion that we kind of grew out of. Um, that was a, a, maybe another really turning point for athletic training. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Concussion. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had brought up COVID, but mm-hmm. even before that. And then yep. into COVID, showing more value and worth in, in a vast majority of situations. And now we're just up and running. So I think athletic training is healthcare and it's progress. Athletic training to me is, is, is all about service. Uh, you go in uh, as we are all here to serve others. Uh, and our profession has allowed us to do that, especially on no matter what setting we're in. But I think it's about service and continue to provide service, which also means to your profession, give back to your profession. I think it's all about being a role model as well. There's there's a lot of responsibility with being an athlete trainer, and I think you've got to be able to, to emulate that. And you've got to show those things to the public that I'm an athlete trainer, this is the way I act, this is what you can expect from me, I'm a healthcare professional. Um, and so I, I think it's service being a role model. And then you take those two things together and you live your life that way and it becomes a lifestyle. Awesome. And, uh, you know, and so I am an athletic trainer and I like to say that and because I'm proud to be an athletic trainer. 
And uh, when my kids were growing up and they were trying to find out what dad did, I was happy to tell them. And they, they actually both uh, did some volunteer intern stuff with me when they were in school and, and they saw what we do. And uh, one did become an athletic trainer. The other one decided it wasn't quite for him. But I think it becomes a lifestyle in the way that you, uh, you live your life. Yeah. I like that. Well athletic said. training is a lifestyle. Yeah. Let's get some shirts made. <laughs> <You know, yeah. laughs> that could be the next uh, patch shirt that yep. comes out for uh, convention 2023. There you go. <laughs> Dave, John, thank you for uh, sitting down and chatting. This has been awesome. Um, I've enjoyed it. And um, if anybody wants to reach out, um, has questions about the concussion-wise or some of the stuff going on down at Capitol Hill, any way to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, so we do have a concussion email, and I'm thinking what it is. It's patsconcussiongrant at gmail.com. That will come right to our secretary of our grant committee who will organize anything that they need. If it's in-person training or they just want to know how to get involved to be a concussion-wise instructor, to come out and go and educate the public, um, uh, that would be awesome. We always need more of those folks that want to go out and get involved with the public. Um, or they could just email John or Dave Marchetti at kings.edu, um, and we'll be happy to get them in the right direction. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. we do have an app uh, through that grant. We I, do have I an app. I just found out about yeah. that app this morning. Yeah. Did you I, download it? Uh, not yet. It's the Pat's Concussion <laughs> Toolbox, and uh, if you, it's for Android and, and uh, uh, iPhones, and and uh, you can download it for free, and contact information's on there. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Download the app. Um, all right. Well, you guys have uh, enjoyed the rest of uh, convention, and I'll, I'll see you guys around a little bit Fun later on tonight. Today, man. Get yep. to celebrate at the banquet. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And celebrate all the great ages. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Well, this brings us to the end of another fantastic episode of the Pats Podcast. If you liked what we did here, please remember to like and consider subscribing to the episodes. Uh, leave a comment if you have any questions um, or you want to hear any topics or if you want to become involved in helping with the podcast. Um, until next time, I'm Philip Hensler, and this was the Pats Podcast.